welcome to another episode of the Creative Elixir podcast. I'm your host, Rose Stardust, and I'm here to inspire you to be more creative, to be you, and to step into your magical creative powers. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, we are going to talk about how to get better in your art and how to get love your own art, own creations better by analyzing, improving, and pinpointing your tastes. I am assuming, like me and like many other creatives, that you want to get better at what you do. And there's a reason you listen to this podcast. It's because you want to be more creative, I assume, or you want to learn something new to enhance your creativity you want to, you're feeling blocked and you want to get back into being creative. You want to know how to go into a flow state, etc. These are great. But the ultimate goal is that you want your art, whatever you make, to be better. Now, obviously, you can take classes. You can go to art school. You can do the official things that you are, you know, you can pay to get better at art, basically. But chances are, unless you are in your early 20s or younger, unless you have parents that can pay for your art school, unless you came into a fortune or you are married rich, or, you know, that you can take off four years and actually go to school you are looking for another way because that's an obvious way, right? You can actually go to art school and get better at what you do. That's fantastic. But that is not affordable by all of us. I, for one, cannot take four years off and go to art school. And in fact, I would kind of be afraid to go to school with 18-year-olds right now. It's like, I don't know, man. That sounds scary to me. I don't know about you. So what else you can make? What is realistic? What can you do? Obviously, you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to put in the hours. You're going to have to build your and hone your skill to get better. But there's something else really, really important. Taste. What is taste? It is what you prefer what you surround yourself with. When you go to the store, what you pick out of the shelf, out of all the t-shirts, what is the one that says, buy me, you can't live without me. (laughs) So these are your tastes. Now, if you are a creative, you probably have good taste. I say probably because there are a lot of people who do creative things, but are not necessarily mm, tasteful. (laughs) Oh God, that is horrible, right? But it's true. Like taste is something that can be improved upon if you study what you like, why you like it, how you like it. And you have to have good taste to be an artist. Now, that being said, 
There's a saying in um, my native language, Turkish, that translates roughly to you cannot debate tastes or colors. And the meaning of that being it's very personal. It's very subjective. What I like and surround myself with is likely to be different than yours. And as a disclaimer, I do realize there are trends and a lot of us follow these trends and surround ourselves with trendy things and fashionable things. But there is a common theme of what you like beyond that. I consider myself a non-basic human and I don't just buy things because they're trendy. Now, I might end up liking trendy things because they are within my taste, but it's not the same as redecorating my house every year because it's going to be fashionable. I have a certain aesthetic and I follow that. Aesthetic? Aesthetic? Aesthetic. Okay. So I'm going to put a link to this, but there is a journalist called Ira Glass, and he talks about this in a little video where, you know, as an artist, your taste is at first better than your product and your taste and your, you know, your skill eventually starts reaching up to your taste and you start making things that you like. And that's the goal, right? You want to be able to make things when you look at them that you're proud of and that you love and that you would buy or you would like and that you would want around you. And why is that important? Well, it's important because if you don't really like what you make, you are really advertising falsely. You are not able to build the confidence or have the confidence to market yourself to your potential audience. Now, in the olden days where you had to be discovered or you um, had to be in a gallery and there was no internet or you had to be published, um, this was a little different, right? There were people who had to find you out of the obscurity. So you had to know people. And there are values to um, these connections and networking and all that now, obviously. But you have the ability to put yourself out there. Obviously, this is a good thing and a bad thing. Because if you have the ability to put yourself out there, so does everyone else. That means a lot of skilled, talented, wonderful people are out there saturating everything. And you could be right now as good as Michelangelo and nobody might see your work. So you have to stand out differently, right? To be able to do that, you need to market yourself. You need to pick platforms where you will be noticed and these are things there will there needs to be more episodes and 
about. And um, actually, if you listen to the creative pep talk, Andy J. Pizza mentions these. He just came up with a new Skillshare class on social media. I will provide a link for that as well. That is a whole different thing. But what I'm trying to say is if you are going to honestly be able to market yourself, you need to show confidence and you need to love the work you do. And that leads back to your tastes aligning with your work. Your work needs to be something you love. Skill is important, as I said, but not as important necessarily as the emotion in your work, as what you say with it, as what you put in it that people will pick out and love. So you are trying to find your people through your work and those people will market your work for you as well. So to be noticed, you have to have some confidence. And to have confidence, again, you need to like your own work. You can kind of fake it. But really, again, there's so much saturation in the market, so much saturation out there on social media that faking it is ultimately only going to get you so far. You championing your own work so that others can champion it too is really an important step. I know it's easier said than done, but it has to get done. We are own we are our own agents in most cases, right? Until you make it. And uh, again, faking it till you're making it. Well, great, you can fake confidence again, but it is much easier if you really like your work. So you want to use your own taste as your guide to getting your work to the level of those works that you love yourself. It's kind of you know, cyclical. There's a little bit of faking, there's a little bit of making, a lot of making, and uh, and being guided by what you love. Now, we need to then discuss how do you refine your tastes and actually like purposefully find what it is that you like. What are your tastes? And this has a lot to do with finding you in your own surroundings and what you have surrounded yourself with. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know. Anyways, please forgive the way I go around sometimes. Now, how do you identify what your tastes are? Of course, it's easy. You're like, you like this, you buy it, you like this, you buy it, you like this, you surround yourself with it, you plant certain plants, you listen to certain music. But do you really think about these? As kids, do you remember how important it was to share? What music do you like? Like, that was one of the first things I asked people and they asked me when the internet was in its youth. (laughs) 
like what were our what we were defined by was our tastes and i feel like we forget to think about those things sometimes we just like go on automatic we know what we like but it is important to be conscious of it because if you're going to put it in your own work you need to be conscious of what drives you to like certain things and as a last step we are going to talk about how we can apply our own our tastes into our own work so refining our tastes finding our favorites there are definitely several opinions on the matter and i don't know about you but i cringe at the fine art scene I get nauseous when I see a canvas with a color stripe and then I find out that it's sold for millions of dollars and, you know, you could have taken a roller and done it. I know a lot of people are like, but you didn't do it. Well, I didn't because that doesn't give me joy to put a stripe on a canvas. Okay, zip it. There is definitely a whole episode in there that we can do about the fine art scene. And... uh, I don't want to get too deep, but I just want to say what I detest is the idea of art becoming valued in investment potential. I personally value beauty, meaning, emotion, effort, and skill. I value honesty, and I can't stand bullshit. I smell it a mile away, and... I absolutely despise it when people like splatter a little bit of paint onto something and write a paragraph about it, talking about how it was inspired by the philosophy of grapes and tree butts. I don't know what I'm saying, but it's just trying to make things sound smarter than they really are to garner interest that wouldn't be there until you wrote about it, is not uh, valuable to me, okay? I want to be able to look at something and be like, oh, that's beautiful, and it needs to resonate without me having to read a book on it. I love books, but if it's a painting, I don't want you to tell me what it is. Does that make sense? Anyways, again, there's a whole other episode or maybe a whole series of episodes in there and I'm going to leave it at that. Perhaps the uber wealthy who can afford stripes that cost millions understand and know firsthand how bullshit is the bread and butter of capitalism but refuse but I I refuse to participate at least for now. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you to look at something that you don't immediately find beautiful or you don't find beautiful at all from a few feet away because it's fine art. So you might appreciate it if you go a kilometer away and see it as a dot. I don't know. It's, I say this because somebody once told me because I was looking up close at something that just seemed like paint brushes cleaned on cardboard in a frame. And she said, oh, it's fine art. You need to look at it from further away. And I did. And it still looked like 
Anyways, so this is a throwback at that moment where I thought of, okay, I'm also not going to tell you that if you were smarter, more educated, or more privileged, that you may see the beauty of a brushstroke or alternatively, the emperor's new clothes, because that kind of taste is manufactured to uphold investment values or values of artists that are out of ideas. And to me, that is outside of my taste. Now that we're clear in that, I am going to instead tell you to look look around you in a purposeful manner. And, you know, make up your own mind. Don't let people tell you what's good or what's bad. Look at what you really like. What do you have and what do you want? What lights you up when you see it and makes you happy? These are the things that fall within your taste. We all, as I said, we all gravitate towards some trends. But we have tastes that run through our lives like threads that run through tapestries. Let's see how we might find these threads. They're like golden threads. I love gold. (laughs) So your home. Your home is a good way of looking at what your tastes are. Trying to figure them out. Now, I think the best approach to these exercises is to write them down because you're going to then go back and figure it out. So get a piece of paper or a notebook or a few pieces of paper. And in your home, can I take a look around? What are the colors that keep repeating? What are the shapes that keep repeating? What are the materials that you are most drawn to and have surrounded yourself with? Then look at your closet. What color dominates your closet? Black for me. Black and gray. (laughs) That doesn't mean I only like black and gray. I just, yeah. Anyways, I just like to wear it. I look good in it. Now look at your bookshelf. You, if you're like me, you might have hundreds of books. I am a collector of books. I love books. More, more, more books. I will never have enough. But that being said, let's say I had to escape tomorrow or I absolutely had to move or something happened and I could only save 10 of the books I have. What are those 10 books? I might ask myself. You ask yourself the same thing. Look at your books and find the 10 that you cannot ever part with. Write the names down. Um, make a different list. Your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons. And then from these, your favorite characters. Now think deeply and try and note down, jot down, (laughs) what the commonalities of these movies, cartoons, TV shows are. Is it theme? Is it cinematography? Is it music? Is it pace? I mean, whatever that you uncover is going to be a clue into your taste. 
Now, your favorite characters. Why do you love them? Is it the way they look? Is it the way they talk? Is it, I mean, mostly it's because of their personality and you identify with something in it that makes you love them. Make notes on all these things. These are your tastes. Just trying to make themselves known to you. Because we unconsciously often make these choices and love things. But do we really know why we love them? Ah, music. Your favorite albums. Your favorite singers, songs, make lists. Try and analyze and find what it is that you love about these different songs or singers or bands. What do they have in common? If your life depended on it, would you be able to tell me what they have in common? Now, if... Okay, I'm going to tell you in the next step. I don't want to confuse you. So, another list. What brands are you super loyal to? Loyal to? What brand is your computer? What brand is your phone? Ah. What brands of shoes are the ones you keep going back to and buying because they're maybe super comfortable or they make the most stylish ones or both. What is the brand of your guitar? Do you have five of the same brand? Brands, brands, brands. Why do you love them? Why are you loyal to these brands and why do you keep going back to them? Notes, notes, notes. Highlight the things that stand out to you that are a revelation to you. Another thing that is super uh, important to consider are what are you drawn to in nature? Just not the things that maybe you buy, but what plants do you love? What flowers do you love? What animals do you love? Why are you drawn to them? Make notes once again. If there's anything else you can think of, like, oh, what do you collect? Like, I collect boxes. I do it unconsciously. Now I do it consciously, but I did it unconsciously. I, I only realized that I was doing it when I had to move um, across the country. And I realized my whole house was full of boxes, like boxes upon boxes upon boxes, tins and wood boxes and just cool boxes and useless boxes, boxes. I collect boxes apparently. Now I do it more consciously. So I collect antique boxes instead. And, you know, find your collections. What do you have a lot of? And do you know why you're drawn to these things? Make notes. Once you are satisfied with analyzing your own surrounding in terms of tastes, now, look at your Pinterests, Pinterest boards, Pinterests. If you already have a Pinterest account and boards and boards and board upon board, you probably don't need to necessarily curate more stuff to just do this. I would say identify the boards that you created just because of the prettiness of the things. Um, like I have amazing doors and I have butterflies and moths and I have beetles, not the band, but the creatures. I have big cats. 
I have a surface pattern design or like these beautiful braids on people's hair. Like I don't do braids on my own hair, but I just love it when it's like these Victorian hairstyles. What are these things that you have made boards with? And then if you don't have already a bunch of them, you can go nuts, make some boards, pick a few subjects. I think a few good ones are like a board for what you like to make. If you are a painter and you want to paint or if you are a musician, do album covers. If you are a painter, make a painting board or color palettes board. Pick it in terms of what it is that you want to create. Another thing is style, like clothing style. If you could go any direction and have any closet, which are the clothes that you would buy for house and decor, home and decor, it's fantastic. Like pick the houses and mansions and castles that you would love to live in. Maybe it's a cottage. Maybe it's an apartment. Make a board for those and also for the decor you would get for it. For animals, what do you find beautiful or cute or both? So make boards, pin like crazy. And if you have never done it, just create a few boards and just spend like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. It's really easy. Trust me. Just pinning, pinning, pinning. Then take a break. (laughs) Go for a walk. Give your neck a break. Take a bath. Go for a run. Whatever. If you're now, let's go back. If you, whether you already have them or you just made them out of these boards, look at them and analyze them. For each board, make a list of repeating themes, motifs, colors, and from each board, copy up to five of your absolute favorites into a new board. So you're going to, let's say you made 10 boards with a hundred things in each, go back Pick the ones that you love most and make a board of, I love these most. (laughs) And looking at this last board, what do you see? What is the commonality? What are the themes that keep recurring? Do you have a color palette that's happening? Do you have style that keeps reappearing it's if it's not that easy to pinpoint is there something else hidden in the details that makes you love it is it is it a theme is it a an object that keeps popping back up is it eyes is it ears I don't But you're going to see things that you may not have noticed when these things were not together. Now, you have several lists of analysis. Between these lists, there's probably going to be some crossovers too. And taking a look at these is going to make you realize why you love what you love. And 
how to get better at this is, you know, refining your tastes. Tastes are not something necessarily we're born with, right? We get somewhat educated through our lives with whatever we see and what we're subjected to and what we love. And it becomes a part of our personality. Like, I love Harry Potter and the Harry Potter books and the movies. And before then, I've always been drawn to magic and magical things. So my drive to like that made me like Harry Potter. But now that also makes me like it further in terms of like, if I see something Harry Pottery, I want it, right? I think that it's not as simple as just liking something. It's like one thing leads to the other and then it leads back to the other thing. But it is what we're drawn to. Like I have never ever liked sports. I may have pretended to like them at some points to just fit in, but I've never liked sports. I never liked really playing them or watching them, especially watching them. Playing them is a little bit more fun than just sitting there watching sports. Now, is my parents, like my dad loves soccer. I grew up in Turkey, so people are soccer crazy. I lived in Ontario and was married to a man who was crazy about hockey and knew more than, you know, sportscaster about hockey, but I still didn't get into it. So it's like not in me. I think there are some things we are just naturally driven to. And then there are other things that we are just, you know, immersed in that might become our taste. Sometimes we alter our tastes to fit in, but are they really our tastes? I think to be true to yourself and not just to try and appeal to masses that you might not necessarily identify with, I think you need to figure out these things that you really love for you. Now, to how do you make your taste better? Is that even a thing? Like, because it's like, is it magic? <laughs> because it's something that people seem to pretend that they're better at than other people. Um, Again, I think it's exposure, right? The more stuff you're exposed to that wasn't necessarily in your life will open your eyes to new things and new ways. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. I mean, I was absolutely, utterly, completely blessed, lucky, privileged to have had a full scholarship to go to this private school and be exposed to culture like I might not have known. Did it make me more tasteful? Well, I still don't like fine art. (laughs) Not in terms of like, yeah. Anyways, I've been to art shows. I've been to the opera, but it doesn't really define my taste. There are some things I've gained from those experiences. Like, I love costumes, like old period costumes stuff. It's mm, beautiful. I respect that. I am interested in it. 
I'm not super interested in sitting and watching an opera. Sorry. But, you know, I'm glad I was exposed to it. But you have to expose yourself to things that you might not normally see. Like, once in a while, watch a movie that doesn't immediately seem like it's going to appeal to you. Once in a while, watch an episode of a TV show that you might not think is going to appeal to you, but it's got huge good ratings on IMDb, so maybe, maybe there's something to it. Also, identify what you don't like. Knowing what you don't like and why you don't like it can also help you refine your tastes. I think a lot of this is philosophical. I get that. But that doesn't mean that there isn't value and truth to exposing yourself to things that you don't think you're going to like, to analyzing your dislikes and why you don't like it, and also looking at that same thing you don't like and trying to understand why others might like it despite your dislike of it. And then try and find one thing that you don't dislike about it or you like about it even going that far. I find this very, very helpful, although uncomfortable in, at times. One thing that, I don't know if this has anything to do with, with taste, but watch it anyways. On Netflix, there is a documentary called Beyond the Curve or Behind the Curve. I'm sorry, it's Behind the Curve. There's a word play in there. And it's about flat earthers. <laughs> And I, for example, could not understand, believe how anybody, anybody with like a 10% of brain capacity or more would actually be capable of thinking the planet is flat, that it's all a hoax, right? It like blows my mind that anybody can think this. Watching that documentary made me realize some truths about these people. They're not bad people. I mean, not all of them. I'm sure there are some bad people in them, just like there are bad people everywhere. But made me realize some things that I wouldn't have thought of. And my dislike of these people turned more into sympathy. Not like I'm going to be a flat earther anytime soon, but I can understand that there's a human need to be accepted and that's where it's at. And you have to watch it to know what I'm talking about. It's, it's definitely a different way of looking at something you disagree with. And we don't do that very often. And I think there is a lot of value in that. So let's see then how you might take all these things that make up your tastes and apply them to your work. Now, this is where the concept of stealing like an artist comes in. You know, the book by Austin Kleon, everybody always talks about it. So if you don't have it, you might as well just go get a copy. If not, take it out of the, your 
local library. It's tiny. You can read it in like an hour. But it makes you think about how to apply your tastes, basically, into your own work. You don't want to steal someone's work. You don't want to copy it. You don't want to copy exactly what you're what they're doing because it works for them. First of all, it's dishonest. Second of all, it's cheap as hell. Third, really, do you want to make money off of someone else's work, someone else's taste, someone else's efforts? Or would it would it be more fulfilling if you actually made your own? Now, there's nothing original on this world, right? In this world, we create things based on what we've seen, what we've done, what we've enjoyed, our tastes. Now, if you do it purposefully and with intention of not copying people's work, you will come up with things that you love. All the things you listed are what you want to infuse into your own work. Say, all the songs that you move to have really good bass lines and you are a musician and every song that you make lacks a bass line. Well, maybe it's time you put some bass in there, right? If, as an illustrator, every painting you love has a certain color in it, or has a certain animal in it, or has a theme that runs through it, well, maybe it's time to take these little things and put them into your own work in your own way. If you always make it a certain way, you need to infuse your own little nuggets <laughs> into the work so that you are stealing like an artist. Now, my house is full of antiques, for example. I love art that has hidden things and I don't immediately see. One of my favorite movies that I could not possibly part with is Amélie. I've always loved it I will watch it over and over again one of my favorite books we've talked about this is The Alchemist my favorite authors are Paula Coelho Gabriel Garcia Marquez Neil Gaiman I tend to like fantastical magical somewhat sci-fi things sometimes but I don't like high fantasy and I don't like hard sci-fi necessarily not always I'm more into the, oh, the other thing I love, sorry, I didn't finish my sentence. I am more into the theme of magicalness and not just everything being about the magic, if that makes sense. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I don't know what I'm saying. So if you understand me, let me know. Douglas Adams, I love. Why do I love him? Why do I love these things? There's a like there's a lightness in all these things. There's a humanity. I love funny oh Tom Robbins, another one of my favorite authors. 
it's like magical realism realism with an infusion of comedy if something can make me laugh and cry and think i will totally be in love with it i love certain color palettes now i have been recently more consciously thinking about applying these things to my own work and i have i think started finding a place where my skill is finally up almost up to par with my taste so i'm liking what i make and now it's all those little elements that make me identify with other people's work that I need to put into my work. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about this and that's why I wanted to have this episode prepared for you so that you also can analyze it. I am not an expert in this. I, however, love being open and honest about where I'm at and what I'm trying to do and philosophizing about my processes. My hope is that it will inspire you to do your own. I, as I said, will put a link to a couple of different things. If I forget what those things are, please send me a message or make a comment under my Instagram post for this episode. My podcast Instagram is at the creative elixir. My personal Instagram is brujeria underscore studios. My website with a little bio, which is really a stub of a website right now, is rosestardust.art. And yeah, please connect with me. Follow us if you want to support the show. It'll be great if you make some comments. If you want to subscribe on wherever you listen to the podcast, it's free to subscribe. But you will be notified of any new episodes coming out. And it helps make it visible to anyone else that might be searching for a creative podcast. The uh, other thing you can do is leave a review if you are finding this show inspiring for your creative journey. And the other thing I wanted to say is there's an episode before this, a short little episode, which is made for Andy J Pizza of the Creative Pep Talk podcast. And I made it because he kind of inspired the name of this podcast as well as finally um, gave me motivation without knowing himself to start the podcast. So you can listen to it. It's um, what I did instead of writing an email to him. But that being said, go listen to his podcast too, especially if you are trying to go on to make a creative career path, as he would say it. He has a lot, a lot of wonderful episodes, and I'm sure you will absolutely love it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for possibly buying me a coffee on Buy Me a Coffee. (laughs) All the links will be added. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. 
And now, go get creative.